Time now to talk Utah football. It's the red and the blue every Friday. Kyle Gunther joins us, former Utah offensive lineman, and he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lee Cindy Hansen, get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Kyle, good morning. DJ, PK, how are you guys? Good morning. Good. We're in the eye of the storm. Will the Utes go 12-1? and one? Do they deserve to be in the playoff? Will they get there? Will Oklahoma win out and leapfrog them? Will Baylor and Minnesota remain undefeated and leapfrog them? Will the SEC get two of the four berths because, well, you know, they're the SEC. Move over, Cowboy. Although I have to say, Georgia, uh, if they run the table, PK and I went through the record, they'd, be, they'd have three really good wins at that point including a shocker over LSU. So that would be an awesome resume. So how are you feeling about the Utes and the chance to get in the playoff? Or are you and Kyle Whittingham taking one game at a time mode? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you can't get Kyle Whittingham to look ahead of you know, his schedule by one day. But uh, I don't think uh, – if it comes down to a coin toss, I don't think the committee is going to choose Baylor because of what their history has dictated. No one on earth has ever said they want to sit down and watch a Minnesota Gopher football game, so I'm not worried about that. Georgia's got a resume that's undeniable, as you mentioned. Oklahoma's got the name, but if the Utes go 12-1, and meaning if they close out the season here and then beat a very good Oregon team in the championship game, I cannot fathom a scenario where the Utes are not in the playoff. I think for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, the Utes have had success on the national stage before in two different BCS games, one of which in 2004 I was on the field goal team for. You're welcome. Those were five very tremendous snaps I took in that game. And then obviously in 08 with the Sugar Bowl shocking the world, beating Alabama. I think that game was more impressive than what Boise State did to Oklahoma because Boise State with Jared Zabransky had to use nine different trick plays, and it was kind of a wacky game. The youth lined up and stomped Alabama 11 or 12 years ago now, and I think that is still the national perception that, hey, this Utah team is this little underdog team. They can jump up and bite you. I think the Utes, with the one of the longest-tenured coaches in college football and Kyle Whittingham, I think they would be more of a draw if it came down to them in a couple of coin flip games. But, yeah, that's also why Kyle Whittingham is a Hall of Famer. The moment he hears one of his players mention the playoff or anything, he'll scream and yell at you. He'll say, we're going to get our butts kicked tomorrow in practice. You know, we're going to get beat by any one of the next three teams on the schedule if we don't focus on that. So all those cliches really are important because we're not talking about professionals. These are not 28-year-old grown men in the NFL who don't look ahead. They have kids. No, these are, well, some of them have kids. This is Utah. But these are still college-age guys who can be distracted by the outside nonsense, and so that's why Kyle Whittingham is so singularly focused. But if the Utes went out, I cannot envision a scenario where they're not in the playoff. Yeah, I, I would like to say I agree with you, but I, and I, on, in theory, I do agree with you, but I just don't know that I can, I can go all that way if the cards break right for these other teams, namely Alabama or Georgia. I, I just, if Georgia wins the SEC... I don't see how there's any way they take them out. Even if even if Utah or leave them out. Even if Utah beats Oregon forty to nothing, which would be outrageous, we would both agree with that. I see the bias that's there, and thinking that the soft the conference will have let Utah down because the conference just isn't good enough 
this year relative to what the SEC is at the top. And I hope I'm wrong, and I would love to see it. I guess we'll just have to wait and see over the next few weeks because I do think a conference, a team that wins a conference and goes 12-1, and I think they should be in. I don't think there's any question, but nevertheless, I, I have my concerns. As far as what's at hand, I just don't see any way, any way that the Utes lose these three games. I think that the fact that they are being talked about in the playoff is not a distraction. It's actually helping them to focus even more. So I expect them to blitz these next three opponents. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scenario that the Utes have rarely been in under Kyle Whittingham or really ever, and that's being a front runner. And, man, Jake Fromm at Georgia, he might be a number one pick at quarterback. He, he certainly looks like a first-round draft pick. Georgia is outstanding. The SEC, really, in general, there's four or five teams that are playing a different brand of football. They line up, and, and just like in the NFL, it's about can your quarterback make an amazing throw, and Georgia can do that. They have, uh, they have an undeniable resume. But back to what the Utes are facing, they're much better than their next three opponents. Their next three opponents really struggle in, in just about every phase of the game. Uh, UCLA, for example, they are not a well-balanced offense. They have a tough little running back in Joshua Kelly. Same with Arizona. they got a tough little run game. They can use multiple quarterbacks there, but they are not a diverse and balanced offense. Colorado's a mess right now. Man, if you watched last week's game for UCLA, I mean, they were on a bye week with the Utes, but UCLA's last game they played Colorado. Colorado didn't get a first down hardly until the first quarter was almost over. In fact, it may have been the entire first quarter. Colorado struggled. UCLA scored in their first possession. They scored again after that. Well, UCLA scored in their first possession by throwing a tight end, a slant route in the red zone, and he beat double coverage. Colorado had a safety over the top and they had a safety lined up right in front of that tight end, they beat double coverage. Something tells me the youth safeties are not going to get beat if they're in double coverage by this same tight end. Then a couple of drives later, UCLA throws a 40-yard bomb to a five foot ten receiver on a go route, and Colorado just couldn't keep up with them. So at that point then, Colorado's down 17 to nothing. They couldn't run the ball then. Colorado's not a great passing team, so they weren't able to throw themselves back into that victory. UCLA put together a couple of nice drives, and they engulfed Colorado. Before that, they were in a slugfest with an Arizona State team that the Utes should have blown out 35 to nothing. I mean, the way that game was going for them, the Utes had two or three really weird turnovers against Arizona State. Otherwise, you know, if we're talking about football math, UCLA, you know, barely beat an Arizona State team that I think the Utes engulfed. So to bring this thing back to what the Utes have this week, they're going to take care of business against the UCLA team that they've beat three years in a row now. they put up a lot of points against this team. They're going to beat Arizona and Colorado. And then, yeah, there's going to be a lot of shuffling going on around college football. Who knows? I know a lot of Utah fans, though, are excited for the new uniforms. Maybe the new uniforms tomorrow can uh, spark some joy in the college football playoff committee's eyes. <laughs> okay. Kyle Gunther joining us here, the red and the blue. He's the former Utah offensive lineman. Uh, you only saw a few snaps, and then he got hurt. Did the Utes have something that's going to make them a better team down the stretch in Bam Olasini, or is the adjustment to college football, it's real, it's a big learning curve here, and we should start talking about something else? Sini uh, Mawala's played pretty well down the stretch. The right tackle position is one that you've got to be able to pass block 
with a tight end next to you or with a guard. And then you got to be a mauler in the run game. And when it comes to guys like Bam or, or really any high-level JUCO player, the problem is the guys you're going against at the junior college level are chain-smoking hillbillies. You don't have the talent level that you have week in and week out, even in practice. Going up against Utah's backups in practice, a lot of times they're going to be better than the defensive ends at Oregon State. Uh, certainly, you know, a team like uh, Arizona right now really struggles defensively on the edge. UCLA is not great on the edge. You're going to go against a better player in practice than you are in a game. But, yeah, the actual the, the course of a football game, it is so violent to make it through that. It's a big adjustment for some of these guys. It's more about the, the feather in your cap that is landing a four-star recruit. And Bam was a four-star guy. When Notre Dame and Ohio State and Auburn and Oklahoma are trying to go after you and you go to Utah, it's more symbolic of where the Utes are at in recruiting. And it's like putting a house together brick by brick. It's not just one high-level recruit. Max Tupai, three years ago, he was the best recruit in Utah. Okay, great. He's got to be one of the guys in the mix. Bradley and I was kind of under-recruited. They said Lecky Foti was a two-star recruit. He had an offer to USC. So these recruiting rankings drive me nuts sometimes. But the point is that the Utes are winning battles against USC, Notre Dame, Ohio State at times. Jordan Wilmore, this young running back, he was going to go to USC. The Utes won that recruiting battle. So the story itself, itself is still worth it's still worthwhile because the Utes won a huge recruiting battle. But I thought the Utes offensive line has been performing pretty well as of late. And part of that is the running game's working. Tyler Huntley's been efficient throwing the football. It's very hard to just stack the box against the Utes because then all of a sudden Jalen Dixon can get loose on man coverage and Tyler Huntley beats you there. So I think Tyler Huntley and his play is really helping Utah's offensive line. But, yeah, it's tough when you're coming up in the junior college ranks. you got to tape your own ankles at junior college there. There's no athletic trainers. If you get hurt, you got to get yourself an ice bag. It's it's a much different vibe. I saw that they had some lists this week came out in, in my email of they give out some award. I don't really pay attention to it, but it caught my eye for uh, best assistant coach, and Aaron Roderick was on it for uh, BYU, and then Morgan Scally was on it for Utah, and, you know, Morgan has been fine, no doubt about it, but, man, how in the world was Andy Ludwig not been on that, would not be on that list? The Utes lead the Pac-12 in time of possession. I believe they lead the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game or yards per carry, something along those lines. You think that's an accident? Andy Ludwig came in to eliminate turnovers, control the clock, control the football, and give this team an identity. He's done that. You're right, but Andy Ludwig hates to do interviews. Andy Ludwig refuses to pat himself on the back. He's a team guy. Uh, He was so much a team guy, he somehow managed to keep his mouth shut when people were calling for his job in 08. He's undefeated. And remember our buddy Kevin Graham, he used to get on the air, Andy Ludwig should be fired. What the hell's going on? They only scored 28 points. This offense is boring. And that's, that's a dead on uh, uh, impression, by the way, Kyle. I did not see that coming. You know, I love Kevin Graham. I got to work with him for years. But that guy gets angry if he wins the lottery. I can't believe it. Andy Ludwig's so boring. And he used to be undefeated. And fans would say, how come we're not scoring 50 points a game? Ludwig does not care. If they win a game three to nothing. He's just as happy as if they score fifty points. So, it comes back to 
if we're talking about assistant coaches, also your coaches have to be aligned with the overall vision of the head coach and the vision of the team. When you have guys come in like Troy Taylor, for example, who even though the Utes have been a running team for three decades, Troy Taylor says, you know what, I'm going to have Tyler Huntley throw it 38 times a game, and we'll give Zach Moss, uh, I don't know, 14 carries. It's way off. It's incongruent with the message, and it's, uh, it's bad. I mean, it's what leads to only winning 16 games in two years. Now, back to Aaron Roderick. It's basically the only, one of the only mistakes Kyle Whittingham has made in his career was firing Aaron Roderick. He should not have done that. There was no basis for it. And it's all worked out now because you got Andy Ludwig back. But Aaron yeah. Roderick is a guy that the players love playing for, and he's got a great football mind. And like Andy Ludwig, very low ego. Uh, a lot of uh, just a lot of production and not a lot of static. Now Morgan Scally is just as productive, but he is lightning in a bottle. Morgan Scally is head coach material. He will be a head coach one day. He might even be the head coach of the youths one day. Dare I say, if Kyle Whittingham steps down in the next three or four years, Morgan Scally is very much at the top of that list of people to replace him. Maybe he's not number one, but I bet he's in the top three of names that could replace Kyle Whittingham. So. I love Morgan Scally to death. Uh, it, it's amazing what he put in, the work he put in to dedicate himself to Utah as a player and then as a graduate assistant, working his way up. I remember, because I played with Morgan. He was a teammate of ours in 04. He got done. Yeah. He started as a graduate assistant for the next couple of years. And then I want to say I was getting done playing, so maybe like 07, 08. You know, Morgan Scally's an old man at this point. He's been out of the, the team for three years. He's probably 36 at this point. He showed up to the weight room one day, and without warming up, he put on a weight belt, and he started hang cleaning 308, which we used to do kilograms. So three plates, three of the blues used to be 308 pounds instead of 315. Because normally, I know all you knuckleheads, you know three plates is 315 if you're in the Iron Brotherhood. But the Utes use kilograms, so he puts three of the rubber plates on, and he cleans 308 for five reps, and he starts screaming and pounding guys in the chest and jumping around. <laughs> ah! He is a madman. I bet he still can't power clean 308 for five. But I watched him do it. He's a madman. The players love him. He's got that right amount of psycho to get the players to follow him. But also, he's a genius football-wise. He's had an amazing year calling plays. The youth lead the nation in rush defense. It's not just about the players. The players are great, too, but it's about that scheme. And I think Morgan Scally will be a head coach in a P5 conference one day. You said he was one of the three. I'm interested in who the other two are and how many of them might be in the Kyle Whittingham coaching tree. Well, they're all in the coaching tree. Um, I, I would so. put, yeah, I mean, I, I would put Gary Anderson in that mix. I would put Dan Mullen, Brian Johnson in that mix. Uh, I, I would put, uh, like we said, Morgan Scally there. I would put Kalani Sataki in that mix potentially. And then whoever Mark Harlan knows. You know, Mark Harlan coming from that, He's got a, a much different pipeline than what Chris Hill had. Mark Harlan may have someone in mind. Man, I hope it's not Charlie Strong. Uh, I hope it is somebody. <laughs> we're good. With, well, in all, in all seriousness, Utah is a very unique market, and unique is as far as I'll go. It's the year 2019, and we finally got human beer. Thank goodness that our beloved lawmakers decided to allow adults to have human beer and not just spiked soda that we've had the last few years. But Utah's got a very unique blend of LDS and non-LDS cultures. You've got guys who went on missions who are from Provo playing right next to a guy who uh, went to jail for a year, and he's from uh, Southern California. 
you know, who's had, he's watched three of his friends die. You know, you had guys who you played with who were, you know, we, uh, there was a guy, Naifotu, who was a pig farmer. Naifotu was a linebacker 10 years ago. When Kyle Whittingham went to recruit him, he went to his house for a visit and he wasn't there. And his mom said he and his dad will be back momentarily. And they came back covered in blood for murdering pigs with their hands to eat. And Kyle Whittingham sitting there going, okay, I think this guy might be ready for football. Anyways, Nifo 2 came in, and he was a missile from the moment he was a freshman. You're just getting these savages that are playing football. It's such a violent game there. You've got to have guys that can blend that culture of people that are, that are from Utah. They're 25 years old. You're playing, if you take a mission, you're going to be at Utah when you're 26. You're a man. You're a grown-up versus you're some 18-year-old knucklehead from the middle of Florida or Texas or whatever. It's a really unique vibe, and Kyle Whittingham can blend it. And the next head coach needs to understand how to force that culture. And by force it, that means you can't just let the Texas guys hang out with Texas guys. You can't just let the California guys hang out with people that they know. You've got to blend it. And Utah, the University of Utah, under Kyle Whittingham, has done a great job of that. He's Kyle Gunther, the red and the blue. He's here every week. Kyle, thanks a lot. DJ, PK, appreciate you guys. Thank you. Kyle Gunther, every Friday morning right here on 97.5 and 12A to Design.